Amen. I hope you could say amen to that. When you think about how good and faithful God is to you. Amen. When you see who God who leads us through, sometimes we go through the dark valleys of life. And we take the time to see Him if we would. All I can say is amen. When the rivers of life want to overflow you and, and cover you and drown you, if they possibly could, and we see God's faithfulness and goodness and grace and mercy that He gives to every one of us. All I can say is, Amen. You're a good and awesome God. I hope you could say Amen too as you listen to that song. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we just come to you just praising your name. Father, we see your awesomeness in our lives. And we say amen. We see your faithfulness. We see your grace and your mercy that you give to us every day. Grace and mercy that we do not deserve. And we say amen. Father, thank you. Father, we ask that you'll speak today. Father, get me out of the way. And Father, I pray you will just work in the lives of your people today. I ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Uh, today is going to be, I think, just a little bit a different kind of a message. Um, uh, early in the week, I wasn't for sure that this is this is what we were going to do today, but I just um, it just kept staying with me, kept sticking with me all week, and I thought, nah, that's nah, this is just way too simple of a message. But the longer the week went, the the more I thought this is what the message needs to go through. So. Uh, we're going to look at something today. The title of the message, obviously, is Jesus, My Choice. The king, the rich man, the jailer, the eunuch, and the thief. And we're going to see if these guys have anything absolutely in common. So we're going to be looking at these five five guys, and so we'll be jumping through the scriptures and and. Dirk has those scriptures there for us as we go through those. So if you want to uh, look there, that'll be great. We won't just have one set of scriptures. As we begin today, I want us to look at five different men. And we're going to see these five different men. We see a king, first of all. The most powerful man in the land. Uh, has control over everything. We'll see a rich man who is wealthy and proud of who he is. We'll see a jailer, an employee, just going about his business, making a living. We'll see the, uh, we'll, we'll see the eunuch who is an outcast in society. And then we're going to look at a thief who did not deserve to even be alive. And we're going to look at those and see what kind of, what in the world, how do they have anything in common? Because they are at the very different ends of society, are they not? We have the upper class, and we have the lowest of the lowest class, and, and yet we're going to talk about these two guys today and see if there's any kind of common ground. In Acts 26, we'll look at the first guy, and that is uh, King Agrippa. King Agrippa is the highest in society, if you would. Uh, he had the power to decide life or death for people. And we see him in Acts 25 and, and Acts 26. And, and the story on him. 
Paul has, has been arrested, uh, accused of causing a riot, if you would. And they take Paul to the Sanhedrin who was supposed to decide his fate, and they couldn't do it. So they sent him to a guy by the name of Felix, and Felix couldn't decide his fate. They sent, sent a guy, then sent him to Festus, and Festus couldn't decide his fate. And that kind of, I got to think about that, kind of sounds like a, an old Gunsmoke rerun, you know, with Festus in there, you know. <laughs> Festus couldn't decide. So, so Paul appeals to the king, and that king is King Agrippa. And, and we read that King Agrippa decides, hey, I, I want to hear what this guy has to say. I've heard a little bit about him. Uh, yeah, I want to I hear what he has to say. So the next day, the king, in his pomp and circumstance, he shows up riding his big chariot. He's, he's got his sister Bernice beside him, who he's having an adulterous affair with, is there. And he comes in, and he plants himself right there. And, and Paul gets to have an audience with King Agrippa. Okay, what does Paul do? What's Paul going to say to, is he going to declare his innocence? He's going to declare how good a guy he is? No, that's not, that's not his, his style, if you would. Paul is standing in front of the king, and he begins to give his testimony. And he says, you know, king, in my earlier days, I was quite a guy. He said, I, my, my job in life was to hunt down as many Christians as I could. And I would persecute them, and I would punish them. And, and, and when it was time for them to die, I gave two thumbs up because I was all for getting rid of these folks. Because, he says, I, that was kind of God's plan for my life, I believe. Paul was very deceived, was he not? And he said, I was a bad, bad dude because I was hunting Christians down to get rid of them. But then he said, King, you know, I was on, a, on the road to Damascus one day. And my job was to go get and round up Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem and get rid of them. And he said, all of a sudden, a bright light hit me, bang, knocked me to my feet, knocked me off the ground. And Jesus got a hold of my life. Jesus changed me. Jesus gave me a new position. He gave me a new power. He gave me a new passion. He gave me a new priority. And he changed this old hardened heart. And I've never been the same today. I'm no longer hunting down Christians. I'm looking for sinners who need a Savior. King, do you understand what I'm saying? When Jesus got a hold of my life, I changed from the worst of the worst to somebody who now has eternal home in heaven. King, do you understand that? And as a king, as, as Paul was, was preaching to him, and Paul was giving his testimony to him, there was something going on in King Agrippa's life. Did you know this? I mean, there was something going on, and, and the king didn't know it, but what was going on in his life was the Holy Spirit was speaking to this king, this guy all-powerful. He was speaking to the king, and there was something going on in his life. And, and that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the king was under conviction. And we read in the story, and Paul asked him in verse 27, he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Do you believe what I'm telling you? Do you believe what happened in my life that I had this great change? Do you believe that, king? And in verse 28, the king says, Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. He said, Paul, in a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian. You see, the Holy Spirit was working on King 
Agrippa. And all of a sudden now, the king is at a crossroads in his life. He now has to decide. He has now heard the gospel. And he's got to decide. Am I going to choose Jesus and live in heaven for eternity? Or am I going to reject Jesus and continue to bask in the glory of being king? To continue to have joy with his sister Bernice? Will he still want to be powerful and rich? And he, and he, you know, he just loved his lifestyle. And what would, what would people say anyway if I was to accept Jesus Christ? He was so close in his life. The conviction was overwhelming. And yet when he had to choose Jesus or the world, what did he pick? He picked the temporal things of this old world. And he believed this, his lifestyle, his power, his glory was more important than the treasures of heaven. And he rejected Jesus in his life. And we know what happens when a person rejects Jesus in his life. If he never came to Jesus for the last 2,000 years, he's been sitting in Hades, did you know this, waiting permanent judgment. He made a bad choice on that day when he was confronted with the gospel. You see, Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You mean even a king, even the most powerful person in all of the land, the guy who's in the upper, upper, upper crust of society has sinned? Yes. And even him needed to know that there was a Savior out there, and all he had to do was accept. And he turned and walked away. What a sad commentary on the life of King Agrippa. Second man I want to look at real quick is the rich man. We looked at him last week in Mark 10. And this, this rich man represents the upper class of society. He was at the top of the food chain, if you will. He was young, he was wealthy. He was proud. And you remember the story from last week. We're not going to re-preach that, but just remember what it said. He said, Jesus, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? How can I live forever? And he meant it sincerely. And, and he thought he was such a great guy because he said he had kept all the commandments. He, he thought he had kept some of them, but not all of them. But he thought he was a pretty good guy. And when Jesus came to him and told him the truth, when Jesus said, your goodness won't get you to heaven, your good works won't get you to heaven, what I want you to do, young, young man, is to go sell your possessions, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Give your heart and life to me. Young man, get rid of those things that are so important to you, those things that, you, that are your little G God in your life, those priorities that you have. Jesus said, get rid of all that kind of stuff, give your money to the poor, and come after me. And you remember the richer man had to make a, a, a decision that day, didn't he? He had to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to choose Jesus? Or am I going to reject Jesus? And that was the choice that he had. The Bible says, what did he do? He thought about it for a little bit. The Bible says he walked away sad. 
he walked away grieving because it says he had a lot of possessions. He had a lot of good stuff here that he liked. And you see, he, he chose this old world because he believed his lifestyle right now was better than the treasures of heaven. He believed the way he wanted to live right now was more awesome, more magnificent, more glorious than anything heaven could ever offer him. And he said, that's what I want right now. And when he moved from this old earth, took his last breath, and he passed on from this old earth, if he, if he never came back to Jesus, what happened to him? He found himself in Hades for the last 2,000 years waiting final judgment. You know, there's people out there today that do the same thing. They hear the gospel. Yeah, nah, I like it here. Here is one day we'll be destroyed, we'll rust, we'll wear out, we'll, be, we'll go away. I would choose a home in heaven. You see, this guy understood Romans 3.23. He said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus offered him a gift, and all he had to do was take it. And he had eternal life, and yet he chose eternal death. Not a good choice. You see, the king Agrippa and this rich young man had, a, had some things in common. They were both wealthy. They were both powerful. They both had life by the tail. But they also had something else in common. They were a sinner in need of a Savior. Didn't make any difference what class of people they were, that they were the highest class or the lowest class. They had one thing in common, and that was they needed a Savior to have eternal life. Jesus said, you must be born again. Those guys turned away from Jesus. The third one I want to give to you real quickly is the employee, the guy that goes to work every day, the middle class person, and that is the jailer, if you would, in Acts 16. The jailer, middle class, had a job to do, and he did it every day. He went to work every day, and his job was to see that no prisoners escaped. That nobody gets out of this prison. And when they would come in, he would, he would put their feet in the stocks and maybe their hands in the stocks. And maybe, maybe all four things were put in stocks. Nobody was leaving his, his prison. And he was good at what he did. And he went to work every day. And, and some days were better than others, but he still went to work every day. Just, just trying to make a living. Trying to do, pay for his family. Just supporting his family. That's all he wanted to do. And he goes to work this one day. And Paul and Silas are, are thrown into his jail, if you would. Paul and Silas had created another riot. <laughs> and the government didn't like that. So they arrested Paul and Silas and beat them to an inch of their life. Throw them in prison and tell the jailer, your job, do not let these boys get out of here. Make sure they're here forever until we come and get him. And that's what he did. And we know the story of Paul and Silas in prison, don't we? Because the Bible says at midnight they were praying and they were singing, singing praises to God. Can you imagine? Here these guys are. They've just been beat. They're sitting in prison with their feet in the stocks. They can't move. And what are they doing? The Bible says they're praying, and I think they were praying out loud. They were singing praises. 
out loud. They were given a testimony out loud. They were given the plan of salvation out loud. And the Bible says every prisoner in that whole prison was listening to them. How could guys like that, how can you do that? How can you get to that point in your life that no matter how ugly it is in your life that you can praise the Lord? Paul and Silas could praise the Lord during that. And I'm here to tell you today, that is what we as Christians are called to do. Even though life is so hard and so difficult and so yuck sometimes. We should be like Paul and Silas and say, you know, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray hard. I don't care who hears me. I'm going to sing. I care who hears me, but he, maybe they didn't. But, but they were singing praises to the Lord. And, I, and he said, I'm just going to just tell you, you know, my Jesus is, is good. My Jesus is awesome, and just because I'm sitting here, right here, I've still got an audience, and I'm going to tell you about my Jesus. And that's what they did to the prisoners, and guess who else was listening as they were giving testimony of their lives? The jailer. He's listening, too. And he hears this, and he hears what's going on, and things begin to wonder in his mind, how can these guys do that? I've never had prisoners like this. All I hear is people cussing and, and going on and carrying on and just griping it. But these guys are, they have a joy, they have a peace, they have something about them that, man, how can they be like that? And then you know the story, it says that there was an earthquake that shook the very foundations of that prison. And it said the doors flung open and the chains were unfastened and the stocks broke open. And when the jailer hears about this and he sees it and he sees the doors open, he knows he's got a problem. Because if anybody escapes his prison, they're going to come and take his life. He gets to pay the price. So the Bible says he understands that and he, and he sees how hopeless this situation is. That I've got no hope now. That, that, that All these guys have gone. And the Bible says he draws his sword to kill himself. And Paul, in his, with his divine wisdom, calls out to the jailer. No, 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 no. Don't do that. We're all here. We're all here. Nobody escaped. Put your sword away. It's all going to be good. And the Bible says he went and got the torch. And he went in to Paul and Silas where he was and where he, they had been bound. And the Bible says he falls on his knees. And he asks the question that every person in the world needs to ask. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Where does this jailer get that? He had just witnessed two Christians expressing joy and peace and love during the hardest situation of any person's life. And he heard their testimony and he heard what, it, what, what caused them to be like that. And in his mind he goes, you know, I don't have that joy and that peace. I don't have that testimony. I don't have that, that eternal security. And he says, I want some of that. I want what you boys have. How can, what do I have to do to be saved? And Paul tells him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Guess what he does? At the crossroads of his life, when he is in a hopeless situation, somebody presents the gospel to him. 
And what does he do? He chooses Jesus. And he doesn't do away with his life. And today, 2,000 years later, that man, that jailer, that guy who was going to work every day trying to support his family, not knowing what was going to happen on that day, but he got saved. And how do I know that he got saved? You read the next verse, and he says he went home to his family, and they got saved. And then it says the next verse, it said they went and, and he ministered and doctored to the wounds of, the, of Paul and Silas. Fruit bearing, acknowledging that he has been saved. When this guy had a chance to choose Jesus, he chose Jesus. He understood what salvation meant. Romans 5, 8 says it this way. But God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. Christ died for him. And he's reaping the wards even as we speak right now. He's styling around the, the streets of gold. Giving high fives to the Apostle Paul and Silas. And probably telling them, buddy, I am so glad that when you were in that prison, that dark dungeon, you were given a testimony about your Jesus. I'm so thankful for salvation, he would tell them. The middle class guy needs Jesus. The eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch is the next fella that I want to look at real quickly. Out of Acts 8, he represents the lowest class in society. The eunuch. We don't know why he was a eunuch. We don't know if he was born that way. We don't know. We don't know if he was made that way. We don't know if he chose to be that way. But all we know, he was an Ethiopian eunuch who represented the lowest of the totem pole in life. The very lowest class. And here he is, and you maybe you've known this story about him. The apostle Philip had been preaching in a big revival and had many many folks had been saved and and he was walking on cloud nine because of all the salvations and and the revival was over the bible says and and god tells him and instructs him he said i want you to go down that that old desert road right right down there desert road all by yourself going down there and philip being the the wise disciple that he was decided to obey jesus he obeyed the word of God and he goes down this desert road and, and after a while he comes across a, a chariot and here this Ethiopian eunuch is there and, and, and the eunuch is reading this book and this book was his Bible. This book was the scriptures and he was reading out of Isaiah and he was reading about the lamb that was slain. He was reading about the coming Messiah. And Philip goes up to him and says, do you understand what you're reading? I mean, do you get what you're reading? The guy goes, no, I don't have a clue. I'm, I'm reading it and it makes sense, but I don't know who he's talking about. And Philip begins to give him the gospel. Philip begins to tell him that, that God loves you, buddy. And that Jesus came down from heaven and he walked on this earth and lived a perfect life. But they crucified him just for you. And me. And he says, in three days he rose from the grave, providing salvation for every person who would just believe him and put their faith in him. And the unit began to think about that. And the unit began to 
absorb that into his mind and this gospel had been presented to him and in the crossroads of the eunuch's life he has to make a decision now will I choose Jesus or will I reject Jesus in my life guess what he does he says, he says uh, uh, Philip, 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 I want to be baptized. He said, I want to be baptized. I need to be baptized. And in Acts 37, it says, before you're baptized, Mr. Eunuch, do you believe with all of your heart? And he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Guess what? Then he was ready to be baptized because he now had put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. What a great decision this guy made. This nobody in society, this lowest class of society, chose Jesus. 2,000 years later, he's walking the streets of gold right now. Romans 10, 9 says it this way. gives a very perfect picture of the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What does it say? Thou shalt be saved. That's exactly what the eunuch did. And he's reaping the rewards today because he chose Jesus and not this old world. The last guy I want to look at real quickly is the thief on the cross. The thief. The guy who society said does not deserve to live. Now, I don't know about you, but you can't get much lower in society than that. You do not deserve to be on this earth. That's as low as you get. And we know the story. We know as Jesus was hanging on that cross, there were two thieves, two criminals, one on each side of him. And one of those old boys, as he's laying there and he's hurting and he's dying, the Bible says, hurled insults at Jesus made fun of Jesus, mocked him, even in his last hours, as he's getting very close to death, all he could do was make fun of Jesus. If you're the Son of God, save yourself. And then, by the way, save us too, would you? Well, you're doing that. And he made fun of him and criticized him and mocked him, even in his last moments of life. But then we had another guy on the other side of Jesus. And he was a little bit different He said, this man in the middle, he doesn't deserve what we're getting. We deserve it. He doesn't. And there's something about this other criminal. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just he was just getting so close to death. Uh, I don't know if he just saw the way Jesus was dying. I don't know if, if when Jesus was hanging on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe he had a praying mama or a praying grandmother that had been praying for that boy all his life and he just had refused that all his life. I don't know what brought him to the point of wanting to speak to Jesus in a loving way, but something did. Something changed in that guy as he's hanging on that cross and as he's bleeding and he's dying and within minutes he'll be dead. Something changed. And he cries out to Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. What an act of faith. And of course, Jesus, as he's trying to get a breath, and he's hanging there, and and breath is so 
difficult. And he says to this young man, he says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. This criminal did not deserve mercy. This criminal could not do any good works. This criminal was fixing to die. This criminal had had an awful life. And he didn't deserve the mercy and the grace and love that Jesus poured out to him at that time. But you know what? Even though society said he did not deserve to live, Jesus said, you know, buddy, I love you. And when you call out to me, I am there. And this guy makes this great decision to accept Christ as his Savior. And within minutes, within minutes, he takes his last breath. I would not encourage you to wait to the last minute to get right with the Lord. But this guy did. And he's so thankful. In Romans 10, 13, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Thou shalt be saved. This thief on the cross called out to the name of the Lord. And guess what happened to him? He's tooling around heaven right now, walking on the streets of gold, in the very presence of Jesus, the one who provided salvation for him. I don't know about you, but that's a good story. These five men had things in common, did they not? They were all human beings living a life. They were living a life. All five of these guys were, were somewhere in society. Somewhere. The king way up here, the rich man here, the jailer here, the eunuch here, and the thief way down here. They all had a place in society. So they had that in common. But all five of them also had something else in common. They were all sinners. And they all needed a Savior. No matter what level they were on, they still were a sinner. And they still needed Jesus. And the beauty of this and the beauty of salvation today and the beauty of salvation back then and the beauty of the Lord is that you and I, these five, could decide their eternal destination. They get to pick. We get to pick. You get to pick. Do I want to live in heaven or do I want to be separated from God from all of his life? You see, the king and the rich man, what did they do? They chose this lifestyle. They chose this lifestyle. It was better than anything heaven could, could ever give them. And they rejected Jesus. But the three looked around and saw that there's nothing better than Salvation. There's nothing better than Jesus. Yeah, I'm a sinner. But I'm going to choose Jesus today. And we see what happens to them and their experience in heaven like nobody else can ever experience it until we get there. You see, you and I, we're no different than those five guys. Did you know it? We're no different. We're all human beings living the life. <laughs> We all have a place in society somewhere. And it doesn't make any difference. And we're all sinners in need of a Savior. 
And we get to choose our eternal destination. I hope and pray that none of us choose to be a king or a rich man. Because you see, in their life, when they were confronted with the gospel, they said, no, I don't want that. I, I, my life is really good. My life is really good. Man, I got people look up to me, pat me on the back, tell them what a super-duper kind of a guy I am. And they chose spiritual death over spiritual life. That's the choice they had to make. That's the choice that they wanted to make. And you see, the beauty of God is if, 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 if you don't want to associate with me, God would say, if you don't want me in your life, if you just want to reject me, God would say, he said, okay, that's fine. If that's what you want, I will give you your want. I will allow you to be separated with me in this world and for eternity, if that's what you want. But if that's not what you want, if you want to be a part of my family, if you want to be born again, if you want to have life, you want to have life now and life forever and forever, he says, that's your choice, and I'm, I'm happy for that. And I want you to be that kind of a person. And I pray and I urge you that you would be like the eunuch, the thief, and the jailer, who when they were confronted with the gospel, they said, I choose Jesus and not this old world. Who do you choose today? Have you chosen Jesus in your life? God's Word would say, bear some fruit. Let's see what it is, what it looks like. Are you growing in the Lord if you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior? Are you being sanctified in your life? Are you setting your life apart from this old world? And as you set your life apart from this old world, are you growing closer to the Lord? That's called sanctification. Are you allowing the Lord, Christian, to mold and shape your life? Are you allowing, Christian, that God's Word changes your life? Are you allowing God's Word to impact your life? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We're going to keep talking about it. Christian, do you allow God's Word to impact it, to change the way you live, the way you think, the way you speak, and the way you act? Is it changing that? I hear of people all the time that profess Christianity, but they're living way back over there somewhere in the darkness. Yeah, they know what God's Word says, but, you know, I wanted, I, I'm doing my thing. Those two things don't mesh, Christian friends. Are you born again? Let's start acting like it. Are you born again? Let's live it. Are you born again? Let's speak it. Are you born again? Let's have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kind of goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Because if we're born again, the Bible says that is going to come out of us. And it reveals who we are. The Bible says if we love, Christian friend, if we love others, it says the world will know that we have been born again because we love others. Christian, I, I, I've got to, I want you to understand that, that, that Christianity is not this here and then your life is this here. It's not separate, guys. Christianity says, I have been born again, and my life that I am living are all one together. They're not separate. 
that's not an attachment. It's something that I don't put on my back and carry around my Christianity. No, it's not. It's who you are. And Christian, the Bible says, I want you to allow God to change your life and to mold you. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you've heard the gospel before and you've rejected it, you rejected and rejected it. Guess what? God still loves you. <laughs> Jesus still cares for you. If he would, if he would promise eternal life to the guy who did not deserve to live according to society, who was as bad as the bad actors of the world, if Jesus loved him, and Jesus said, today you're with me in paradise, today when you pass from this over, you're going to be with me in heaven. If he can love him, he can love you. If he can love him and his past, he can love you with your past. And I'm here to tell you today, if you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, he will take away your past. He will take away your guilt of your past, and he will exchange it for love and peace and joy and all those kind of good things. If you're just willing to repent. Jesus said you need to repent. You need to be born again. All right, that's all I got, Ron. Keep playing as we begin the invitation time. As we bow our heads. You heard what you need to do. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus in your life. If you never have, the altars are open. I can tell you how to do it. I can tell you how to get there. If you're a Christian and you've been born again and you're not living a life, your heart is hardened, you're walking away from the Lord, come back to Him. I promise you He will accept you. He'll forgive you. He'll clean you up. Make you where you need to be. The altars are open. We need to respond to the gospel. Respond to the gospel. 